This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture is to rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening. I know it's the end of January. I know it's been cold. I know it's going to get cold. I know it's wet. I know the stickers are already growing out there. I know. But what do you do? You can't just sit there and look out the window. You can get out and enjoy some stuff. And there's plenty of things you can do this time of year as long as you're comfortable physically. And uh, so anyway, hey, Java, I want to uh, ask you how you feeling. You were out last week. Liz Gill and Kevin Farrell kept us between the, the ditches, though. You doing all right? Yeah, man, I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm feeling feeling fine and glad to be back um, here with you on this Friday. Um, I, I had in full disclosure um, was out with COVID, uh, was feeling bad, right. really, really bad for um, about a good a good couple of days last week. And uh Feeling feeling better now, so glad to be back. Good. But I but I wanted to good. pick you. I wanted to mess with you, man. You said to, you said in the intro that today was not a good day. What did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or something? The sun is shining. Oh, it's about forty degrees outside. It's 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 okay. I, I, I forgot. You know, for the next couple of weeks or so, I'm still going to be over in England, and it's as they say, chucking it down out there. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, okay. I, I use, you know, I use it because the program, uh, you know, right now it's, it's, it's three in the afternoon for me. And, I, you know, I walk around, I go through the moors, I walk around town, skipping around the cobbles, having some meat and potato pie, and give me some coffee. But uh, I just, you know, and it's cold here. I mean, I'm on the same latitude as Nova Scotia. But um, anyway, it's all good. It's just, you know, we, we expect really pretty days, balmy days in Mississippi in the wintertime. Uh, blue sky here is a little bit. It doesn't really get that cold here, but blue sky is a little bit rare. So, anyway, it's all good. Hey, here's something kind of funny, uh, Java. Have you ever thought about you know round? You see fences made with round wooden fence posts, like what cowboys put out there and all. Have you ever wondered where fence posts come from? I mean, how they grow them? Yeah, no, uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, you know, they're always the same size. They're straight. They're sturdy. And uh, there's actually farms that grow fence posts. Every time you see a pile of round fence posts, even square ones, they've been grown specifically for that. And what they do is, uh, have you ever seen where somebody uh, cuts a tree down and it sprouts out with a whole bunch of new stems from the ground? Yeah, I've seen that. Well, if you do that and then thin them out to four, five, or six apiece and come back about five, or six, seven years later, each of those stems is a straight round fence post type side so they cut trees down they let them sprout out thin the sprouts out and come back a few years later and cut those sprouts off and they're they're all the same size same age straight round fence posts ain't that weird now that is something a fence post farm i, I never would have <laughs> thought i never would have thought it yeah well I, I was walking through i was saying what are people planting all these trees these trees are planted way too close together and i got that plastic wrap around them to keep the deer and stuff off of them but just acres and acres of just trees like four feet apart and i'm thinking what's up with that and then i realized those are fence posts and a matter of fact if you look at the end of a regular wooden fence post you see those rings in it each of those rings tell you how old the fence post is you know it's just really weird stuff they do this by the way to keep forests going uh instead of cutting 
clear-cutting forests and planting everything else, you know, and coming back 30 years later and cutting it again, what they do is they cut some trees down, let them sprout back out, and that gives sunshine for the ones that are that are left. So they cut some trees and leave some trees and uh, sort of keep it a, a constantly regenerating thing. And meanwhile, when they cut them down, they got fence posts. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff I've been wondering about. Um, we're going to be taking phone calls, and if anybody wants to give us a call, I'll just chat about gardening. Got something you want to share? I know some people are have got things they rooted from from last year. Their their uh, angel trumpets and their Confederate rose and things like that. I also know a lot of people are starting lettuces, little mixed uh, lettuces, and putting them out on the porch on a sunny kind of warmish day. So there's all sorts of stuff you can be doing this time of year. And if you want to chat about it, well, let's do it. Bring it on. Toll free. One eight seven seven MPB ring. We're going to start out right off the bat, way down the Gulf Coast, and talk with Craig. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Yeah, I was wondering if you could rate the difficulty of uh, growing mushrooms. I mean, I looked at it, and it, and it I think I could assemble a, a home kit pl- airplane easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of different kind of mushrooms, and uh, there's quite a, a surprising number you can grow at home. Some involve getting a, a log and drilling holes, and then putting this sawdust has been inoculated with the uh, with the, uh, the 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 mycelium, the the fungus seeds, I guess. Uh, and you know, usually they come with instructions for doing that. But there, are a lot of people in Mississippi actually lay logs down and stack them up like a like a, a, a wood pile, and they grow them outside. So it really depends on the type of mushroom you're trying to grow and um, whether you start with a kit or doing it uh, on your own. There's lots and lots of how to. It's not that difficult. It's just time consuming and you have to have the right product. And I can't keep okay. it straight. Yeah. Do you need a lot of equipment? I mean, I mean, they were talking no. about, you know, okay. Because no. they were talking about all kind of CO2 between whatever and humidity and temperature has to be really close ranges well and, and that's true because you know you're you're actually growing a living breathing creature and fungi the the fungus themselves look like little sometimes barely visible some microscopic look like threads and then the mushrooms are their version of a flower so you got to get the, the the fungus to grow first and it grows typically in wood or horse manure or you know sawdust a different kind of thing you can grow a different kind of a fungi on and when they're happy when the temperature is right and the humidity is right, uh, that's when they produce their version of a flower, which is a mushroom. So, you know, you can control those variables. There's some really easy fungi kits to start with, and some you can do outside, and then there's all sorts of complicated in-between. So really uh, depends on what what you want to grow and what its conditions are. A lot of people have been growing mushrooms uh, out in, you know, under their trees in a stack of wood or in these little special kits for, for decades. Okay, I think I'll start with that then, because I mean the indoor indoor ones seem very complicated. Well, you're trying to make a fungus that's normally growing outside feel like it's outside. It's sort of like growing a, a tomato plant indoors or a pepper plant. Can you do it? Yeah. Is it easy? No. But you yeah. know you got to make you got to make them think they're outside. In the case of fungi, temperature and moisture and humidity. Okay. Yeah, I already got some, a stack of logs outside that are rotten, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see what. I'll see if I can order some mushrooms. Well, the the thing to do is just go, go online and uh, and just Google it. easy home grown mushrooms, and you'll come up with tons of stuff. And just go with whatever's the easiest. 
to a lot, a lot of people. A little insider here is a, is a professional garden journalist. A lot of people will write a whole lot of words to make themselves sound important on something as simple as compost, which is just a leaf pile. Yeah, you know yeah I had something. Yeah, I just yeah, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago. There. <laughs> yeah. Well, the main thing is uh, it, it's, it can be fairly simple and straightforward. And so don't get confused by people say you got to do it this way or this way or this way. You just have to follow some, some simple guidelines. A lot of stuff online about it. Okay, go with the simplest. All righty. All righty. Good luck on it, man. All right. Thank and, you. Uh, you bet. Uh, appreciate it. Um, by the way, before we go to this next caller, let me mention something. Uh, and Java, you know, I, I need to bring you in, though. So you know how – much trouble I get into when I recommend people spraying poison I with Roundup. No, no trouble, no trouble. (laughs) No, it's really not. A lot of people misunderstand stuff. You know, they don't understand that, you know, you can kill yourself with broccoli if you eat enough of it. But anyway, there's a new product out there and it's really causing some confusion. Roundup is a weed killer that you put it on, whatever you put it on the leaves of, that stuff dies. And it degrades. It's gone. It's, It's really fairly safe to use compared to other herbicides. Well, anyway, the company that manufactured Roundup just came out with a new line of products called Roundup for Lawns. And it's really confusing because it is not the same thing. What Roundup for Lawns is the same stuff that they have in all these other lawn weed killers. We've had, you know, things to kill clover and dandelions for decades. And whatever's in those things, the, the company that sells Roundup has come out with that product but they call it Roundup for Lawns. It's not the same thing as a Roundup weed killer. And it's just real unfortunate because somebody's going to see Roundup for Lawns, they're going to spray Roundup, real Roundup, to kill their grass. So yeah, it's, that's, that would be unfortunate. Yeah, you have to kind of be uh, pay attention now, I guess. Yeah, the main thing to remember, if you want to kill like poison ivy and honeysuckle and hard-to-kill things and, uh, and, and you want to use Roundup, just understand that Roundup for Lawns is not the same thing. It's just a regular lawn weed killer with an unfortunate name that links it to a really a pretty good product. It's just going to confuse people. I just want to throw that out in case somebody says, well, I, I just got Roundup for lawns. He must be an idiot. Just be aware of the two different products with that same word in it, and it's just unfortunate. Anyway, sorry to bring you down on that, but you know I'm, I've got to be concerned about recommending chemicals in the garden. I've just got to be real careful about that. So. It sounds like a marketing mistake. That big company, I, somebody somebody should have came up with something better. I, I, I hear that's that's the moral of the story right there. Yeah, uh, tone, tone deaf doesn't even begin to touch it. But anyway, let's get happy now. Let's go back to Jackson and talk with Jim. Jim's calling from Jackson. Good morning. Good morning, Filter. How's everything in England? So far, well, it's a little little chilly and misty, but you know that's that's where you know that's why Sherlock Holmes wears all that weird clothes. <laughs> Listen, I've recently bought a house in the Jackson metro area that's got a couple of really gigantic old chameleon bushes. These things are like 10, 11, 12 feet tall. Uh, They have these huge um, stems that are leafless and then a few leafed-out branches and flowers uh, near the top. How how severely can I cut these back um, without, uh, you know, killing them? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and the answer is easy, but no, keep in mind, no two people do it alike. First of all, 
your neighbor's going to talk about you if you cut them down. You didn't have to get oh, they are They already talk about me. So oh, okay, care. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to say it doesn't matter what people, it does matter what they think. It just doesn't, and no, you care what they think. It just doesn't matter. But anyway, you can cut a camellia down to two feet tall, three feet tall, and it'll sprout back out and bloom again, just like people do with, with you know, with hedges and stuff. So it not, you're not going to kill it by cutting it as far back as you want. What I would do, though, and this is, is hard to, to, to describe, it's just more of a concept in the recipe, is, uh, is I would look at, follow the ends of the branches that look good, the stuff that's blooming good, and follow it down to where it starts, down to the bottom, and just keep in mind you don't want to cut any of that off. And just if you've got a lot of cluttered lower limbs, cut those off. If you've got some cluttered branches on the limbs that are left, cut those off. In other words, gradually prune it up into a small, multiple trunk, tree it's not gonna get any bigger than it is now but if you cut it down you have to be pruning from now on so if you could just sort of let it top out as a small tree and thin out some of the lower limbs and some of the branches almost left it'll look good you can plant stuff up under it and you're going to be done with it but uh to, but to answer your question you can cut it back uh, a foot two feet five feet ten feet wherever you make the cut the new growth is going to come out right there so you know make your cut sort of in a snow cone you can cut it where there's not a leaf left on it but cut it in kind of a snow cone curvy shape so the new growth comes out in a snow cone right. curvy shape instead of flat yeah. across okay don't Definitely cut it flat across the top yeah okay Definitely well while i'm out there i'll just keep look like a broom it's just look like oh, a broom I... if you cut it straight across it's going to come out straight across and and then i'm going to talk about you Right. Well, uh, you know, while I'm doing all this, I'll just keep in mind what an old man told me once. It's, it was, uh, what you think of me is none of my business. So, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Anyway, the I'll main just thing keep is that in mind. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I would you know think about just thinning out the dead stuff, the color stuff, and some of the lower stuff, and leaving some of the rest of it unpruned. And if you ride around over part of town, you'll see a lot of camellias that have been pruned into sort of a miniature tree form and they look quite nice and it's not going to keep getting bigger okay sounds great appreciate the advice all right good luck oh oh oh, one other thing if you're cutting a limb off from the trunk or a branch off of a limb do it like it was never there don't leave a stub if you're cutting something big off cut it right where it starts to grow so it'll heal over quicker don't leave stubs yeah flush as i can get it from where i cut it from yeah yeah you know feel feel your thumb you know, the knuckle where your thumb is hooked to your hand, you want to cut it through there, not all the way to the wrist. And you don't want to cut just half your thumb off. Oh, that's terrible. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, feel, feel that feel that first knuckle and think about it. Gotcha. Appreciate it. Thanks, Felton. <laughs> good, good luck on it, man. I guess that was a fairly gruesome metaphor there, Java. I don't know if I should have done that. Yeah, you're cutting your thumbs off and you at the wrist and all that. That's a, that's a lot, Felder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just feel the knuckle and forget what I said. Hey, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk with Jack now, and I'm not sure where Tibby is. Where is Tibby, Jack? Uh, well, this is Nick. This is not Jack. Tibby is uh, just uh, south of West Point on 45. Okay. Okay. Well, you 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 live in those prairies, in those chalky prairies. Oh, you better believe it, boy. And this mud is something right now. <laughs> it'll it'll stick with you. What you got going on? What can we help you with? Got three questions for you about post. Number one: Are these posts uh, that you're talking about grown in England? Oh well, the ones in England are. We you know we have post growers in in uh, in Canada, in North America too. A lot of our fence posts come from 
from Canada and different parts in, in North America. Okay, my next question is, what kind of trees grow post? Oh, gosh, hickories, oak, bodock, you know, any kind of hardwood tree that's got good hard, hard wood. Basically, you just, you're just letting the tree get up big enough to where you can barely put both hands around it and cut it off. You know, and you just cut down a young tree and using the, the old trunk, taking the bark off and use the trunk of the post. Well, we got plenty of bodock, and you know, if you cut a bodock post, it'll be there for your great grandchildren. It'll still be there. Yeah, and you can have to change your saw blade every now and then too, because that stuff is hard. I know, I know. I we I used to cut them and sell them. And my next yeah, question. You, oh no, yeah. no! Before we get to that, you know where where bodock gets its name? Boys, the art. Yeah, they make bows, bows from bows and arrow bows out of them. Uh, the arch, in there's a, but people call it bodock now, which is just yeah. our way of saying French bois de arc. <laughs> anyway, well, some, you already knew that. Some people call them mock orange. I don't know where that came from. It sort of looks like a big orange, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, they call them horse apples and all sorts of stuff. But, yeah, all and, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So what what else you got? I got one other question, uh, Phil. Have you ever sold any post holes? Any what post holes? <laughs> yeah. No, but I've paid people for them. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised if you advertise them how many you could sell and get paid for them in advance. Yeah, well, you know, I I I bought a whole bunch. Had had people come over, but they had to use their own tools to dig them. Hey, let me ask you this: Have you ever heard that if you if you dig a post hole at the wrong time of the moon, it you, th- then the post there's not enough dirt to go back in it. You heard that? Well, uh, I think if you stick a post in, you'll have enough dirt to go back in it. Yeah, but the, some people say who digging post holes. If you dig one uh, at the wrong time of the moon, the post sinks. Or you know, there's all sorts of stuff about digging holes by the moon. I I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, don't <laughs> I never yep. I never heard that. But I never heard that. But uh, I think most of the post holes I've dug has been the wrong time for the moon. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something. You're from Tibby, right? Is, is, you know is what Tibby is? Yeah, but is that in Octibah? Is that would that be short for Octibah County? I live in Tibby County. No, uh, <laughs> really, Tibby is an old, old, old community on a railroad track just south of uh, uh, West Point, and it's in Clay County. Yeah, just barely. You know, that's that back way to the crossroads you're from state to go to state. That's right. That's right. Okay, man. All right. All we're right. going to start, we're gonna start t- t- talking bad if we don't quit now, so I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay, bye. You bet. You bet. Okay, Java, how are we doing so far, man? Uh, we're doing good, Felder. Let's go ahead and take our first break. We do have Maurice from Jackson um, on the line, but we need to take a take a pause. You you've you've been you've been talking a lot. <laughs> I've, I've been I've been holding for it. I'm just glad to have some coffee. See you, man. We're gonna take a real quick break, folks, and come back and uh, take your phone calls. So if you've got some things you like to chat about or to share or argue about or pass around or get second or third opinions. Bring it on. I'm retired extension horticulture. I know a lot of the facts, but I'm also a gardener. I know that the facts don't always fit. Matter of fact, there's a, a lady on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook. She's in her 80s. She said nobody's going to tell her she can't do something because she's going to do it anyway. And we celebrate that spirit here on Gestalt Gardener. Gardening 
is an art, not necessarily a science. So if you got some things you'd like to talk about, give us a call toll-free, 1-877-MTB-RING. Me and Java and, and uh, Kevin and all the other folks, we'll be right back. Okie dokie folks, welcome back. Porticulture's fellow rushing, me and Job and the other folks at MPB. Glad that you're joining us this morning. You want to give us a call, it is toll free, and we give the numbers over and over. Got a tribute song coming up in just a minute to one of the, the people who sort of taught people how to duck and weave their heads. You'll understand that a bit. But meanwhile, let's slide over to Jackson to talk with Maurice. Good morning, Maurice. Good morning, Felder. Howdy, what's um, up? Long term. Long-term listen, listener and fan, i got uh, got an issue I hope you can help me with. Uh, this has been going on, I've noticed it for a couple of years, and it's like my crepe myrtles have got a black smut that's growing on them. I first noticed it on a mulberry tree, and yeah. uh, now I've, yeah. it, almost all my crepe myrtles, the, the, except the largest ones, have this black smut. Is that something I need to treat, or what is that? Well, it's a couple of things. First of all, if you had to ask this question five, four or five years ago, there'd be no question. The black stuff is called sooty mold, and it's actually a mold that's growing on sticky insect drippings. You know, if you leave leave some some syrup on a kitchen counter, it's going to develop that sooty black mold. See, so the the mold is not the problem. It's the symptom. You got insects that are sucking sap out of your trees, and their drippings have got dissolved plant sugars in it. Sort of like uh, instead of maple syrup, it's uh, crepe myrtle syrup, and this mold is growing on that. Uh, we've always had trouble with this on gardenias and crepe myrtles and azalea. Anything that had insects uh, that drip sap. You know how trees sometimes drip in the summertime. That that's not that's not leaky trees. That's bug do. So we've always had trouble with that. However, there's a new insect that started showing up. I saw it for the first time in Jackson, I guess about four years ago, and it has nearly wiped out crepe myrtles and a whole lot of plants. You know, drive up, you know, in uh, downtown Fondren and look at the crepe myrtle trees. This is the type of insect called scale. It doesn't look like a bug. It's a little tiny white bump that attaches itself to the, to the tree, loses legs, and sucks sap. And they get so crushed on the trees and drip so much stuff that the trees get completely covered and the ground beneath, the, the, the flamingos on the ground beneath, everything gets covered with black stuff. So with crepe myrtles, there's a good chance now that it's this thing called crepe myrtle bark scale. It, it, uh, it lives on, and if you look on the twigs, the ends of your bark, they'll be crushed uh-huh. on there. Just with, Have you seen that? I have not. No, I've, I noticed it in other places where people had pruned their crepe myrtles and the area that they pruned turned black. Yeah, no, there's a whole, whole different thing. The black stuff is the mold that's growing on, on, on dried sap or insect dripping. Crepe myrtles, go out and look at your crepe myrtles. Look on the, the twigs and the branches and look for these small white bumps. They're about the size of a BB, not even the size of a BB. And there'll be a lot of okay. and if And if you see that, that's crepe myrtle bark scale there's a lot of people going to tell you all sorts of stuff but the bottom line is this and keep in mind i work with the crepe myrtle society of america with mississippi state with texas a and i'm real familiar with this the only control for crepe myrtle bark scale is to use a liquid insecticide that you put around the roots of the tree in the spring march april may early june 
That's the only time that this stuff is absorbed into the tree, the, the, uh, and it poisons the scale as they feed on the tree. The only control for crape myrtle bark scale is the soil drench in the spring. And every garden center has got this stuff. This in my, no sprays really work. This is the only thing, and we're real sure of this. If you're not sure about this, if, if you'll just Google crape myrtle bark scale, you'll find okay. tons and tons of stuff on that, and including pictures of it. But And, and uh, I, I'd be surprised if that wasn't the problem with your crepe myrtle because it's really serious in Jackson right now. Yeah. Will it really will it kill the crepe myrtle? It won't kill them, but it makes them so weak and so ugly and so, you know, just it, they, they look terrible. And, and it could yeah. conceivably kill a tree, but it weakens them so much, and they're not going to bloom. It's just a, it's just a horrible thing. Drive down town Fondren and look at the crepe myrtles they planted uh, just in the past three or four or five years down there and you'll uh-huh. see exactly what it looks like it's terrible yeah is there a generic name for that root drench no there's, there's several brands of it it's sort of like ketchup you know but it'll be uh, just say crepe myrtle bark scale uh, and it's just a drench and again you have to put it in the ground in the spring yeah. that, that's when it works yeah. not now not summertime yeah. And uh, every got this stuff. Uh, if you have any more right. questions about it, uh, you know, uh, shoot me an email about it. Or, or I tell you what, if you want to learn everything, is go to my my blog, Felder Rushing blog. It's not my website, but Felder Rushing blog, and uh, in the little search box, do crepe myrtle bark scale, and I've got a whole article with pictures and all the products and everything you can use. Yeah. Where is your blog? What's it? Online. The Felder Rushing Online. blog. Yeah, just fellerushing.blog. And I've, I've got a thing on there called Requiem for Crepe Myrtles, and it's got pictures and everything. And Felder, I'll put the um put a put a link up with the podcast for um for today's show if anybody wants to get okay. there uh really really, really quickly, you know, um I'll just put a link there with the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh and by the way, for the podcast today, uh Java, I've got a little gnome. You know, I've got my broken MPB cup I take around, but I don't want to wear it out, so I got a little small gnome. And I took a picture of it yesterday uh, in the in a little flower pot in downtown Darwin, where I where I'm staying in England. So if people want to see what a what a nice little old English village downtown thing looks like, I, uh, I'm gonna send you that picture for the blog. Cool. Let's um let, let's let's keep going on the phones, man. We got a couple calls before we get to your um your cheesy tune, and I can't okay. wait to hear it because I know it's a tribute. Okay. But uh, let's go to Roger in Florence. Okay, great. Hey, Roger. Good morning. Well, I sure am glad to hear your voice. Uh, it must be pretty early over there, though, isn't it? No, it's actually three thirty in the afternoon. Oh, that's true. I got my yeah. the world's turning the back for me these days. <laughs> you know, for those of us who went through the sixties, it's just been that way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, I enjoy your show, of course. I could repeat all that, my admiration for you. But back to the uh, the uh, Bodoc Bodark. Yeah. Uh, that that tree is prevalent, and I suppose in other places too. But I I grew up, or we started growing up. I'm still trying, but up in Octibaha County. Yeah. And so they're really prevalent up there, and my son is a physician up there. Has one, two or three in his backyard. And is so old that one of them's died. And I harvested, oh I don't know, thirty or forty horse apples uh, from that tree. About four years, four or five years ago, uh-huh. and I planted, I planted 
and at one point had 21 bodock trees planted down here in Rankin County on kind of a slope. It's, it's oh. probably doesn't have enough moisture. I've got about 10 left, <clears throat> and they're maybe a foot or two high. It's time for me to put them somewhere else. Where should I put them? Well, you say as far as enough moisture, this plant is uh, it, it it grows all over Oklahoma, which is real real dry too. As a matter of fact, one of the common names is Osage Orange because the Osage Indians use it for their bows. That's one of, where it gets the name Osage Orange. Um, anyway, any place that's sunny and and doesn't have standing water because it's really a pretty drought tolerant plant. Um, it get off, gets awfully big. You might want to try giving some to your neighbors. Just don't tell them that it gets big and has thorns. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty ugly trees, but they're just wonderful trees. And we used to oh, they're terrific. Those they're, as kids, but uh, we yeah, there, there, there's a, there's a real big one by the uh, uh, in in Jackson at the corner of State Street and and uh, Woodrow Wilson, right by the. Uh, UMC parking garage, you got a real, real big one. It's a pretty one. But anyway, any place where the sun doesn't have standing water. So I don't need to transplant them. I'll just let them grow in a row. Okay. Yeah, matter of fact, they were used as hedge. You know, that's also another common name is hedge apple. So they're grown as hedges out west. And they're fierce hedges. Those thorns, I mean, they're tough. Yeah, and and you're not gonna, even uh, even one of those wild hogs can't get through those tough things. But anyway, just any place is sunny and and not too wet. All right, you want to take some over there to England? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they wouldn't they wouldn't let me in over here with them. No. You know, what's that? If, you know, uh, what, what's that in your suitcase? Well, it's a bunch of bodocks. Okay, we're not letting <laughs> you in. Anyway, well, you could call them Okay. Yeah. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks, Roger. Okay, job. Who else we got? Uh, well, we got some calls lined up, but let's uh, let's take a break and um, and we'll reset them after uh, after the tune. Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. And uh, and this tune is a it's a tribute to a Don Wilson who just passed away. He was the last founding member of the Ventures. Ventures, you know, people think of them as a as a surfer band. They didn't start out a surfer band. It's just this guy's style of guitar playing. Um, anyway, uh, the first hit was. Walk, Don't Run back in 1960 in Java. This is one where anybody of, of, of my age, as soon as we're here, we're going to start nodding our heads and doing that kind of stuff. It's a creepy old people song now. But anyway, this is a tribute to Don Wilson, the last of the ventures who passed away just passed away. And we'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this.
got some aerobic workout like like I did. Going to miss the ventures. Going to miss them a lot. But we're talking about gardening today, so let's slide down to Mobile and talk with Mikey. Hey, Mikey, haven't heard you from you in a while. How you doing? Mikey. Oops. Yeah, let's let's see if we can put Mikey on hold and uh, let's switch over to no, Bill no. in the Shoba County, um, okay. Felder. Okay, we'll see what's going on with Mikey. Hey, Bill, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. And you? So far, so good. Not so bad. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will tell you this. What? I, I, I will tell you this. Uh, somebody asked me if I was uh, kind of scared about what 2022 is going to bring. I'm thinking, nope. Because I think it's going to bring flowers, because I'm planting flowers. I think it's going to be a good year. So what you got going on? Well, I just ordered a bunch of flower seeds myself. But uh, my question is about uh, banana uh, trees. Uh, We got a big uh, stand of them, and I cut them down uh, in early December and mulched them up real good. And then we got a bunch of warm weather, and they all sprouted (laughs) out. And now they're all, all those all those tops died. Should I leave them alone? Should I cut them back down? Uh, yeah, their... no, well, if, if you don't, you know, you don't have to cut them back down, but if we get a hard freeze, it can get really, it's so much easier to cut through them while they're green than when they're mushy. I mean, they're terrible to cut through when they turn brown. So, you know, it wouldn't hurt to cut them back. It's just going to slow them down a little bit on their new growth this spring. So, uh, you know, if you figure that we're probably going to get another hard freeze between now and, and springtime, I'd go ahead and just cut them down and pile them back up with, with some leaves. All right. Is, I can do that. Unless you're a gambler and want to just see if we don't get us another freeze, and, you know, it's legal to gamble in the garden. Yeah, well, I, uh, <laughs> I'm about three miles away from the uh, casino, and I'm not a gambler. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, it's it's just going to be a gamble whether they have another hard freeze or not. It'd be easier to cut them down now or right before a hard freeze, and you clean up the stuff you drop on the ground later. Okay. I can do All that. Right. Appreciate Thank it, Bill. You. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Okay. Did we get Mikey back on the line? Yeah, we're going to try Mikey again. I think we have her this time. Hey, Mikey. Hey, yay. <laughs> yay, yay, yay. Um, uh, thank you, Felder, um, and, and Java and Liz. Um, uh, uh, I'm a little taken aback that uh, you actually answered this time. Uh, but we, anyway. We answer, uh, we, answer all of, we answer all of our calls. I know you it, do, and I appreciate your it, dedication. It, it, yeah, what, what, what's up? What can we help you with today? Today I'm asking a question. You're in the lands of legends and hedges <laughs> right now, yep. as far as I know still. So my, yep. mine is kind of a, a, a hedges question. I don't grow a lot of hedges, but I do have um, hollies, native hollies. I guess they're native. They grew themselves. Um, I've let them grow to um, – deliberately let them grow to a couple of story height. Um, I've experimented with letting one, um, you know, folding a couple over and, and tying them together. Um, and I have enough other to magnify that sort of thing, but I've had somebody else tell me, you know, um, that he didn't like, you know, things tied to fences. Well, these are not tied to fences, but they're tied to each other. So, Am I 
is this a good time to do it? Should I wait until the sap starts to rise again? Um, oh, oh, help me. What, 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 what are you trying? You're just trying to tie them together, or, or what? I mean, you can do that anytime. You can bend them over. But if you bend want them to graft, the, if, if you want them to graft together, you know, you've got to you've got to pull them where the, the the bark touches and then slice the bark off and stick it together real quick. It's just called grafting. But you can bend a plant over and tie it into place anytime. These are these are about uh, five to five and a half feet above the ground you know bark yeah. um and, well, be, and being know, trimmed into archways yeah well you just just pull them over and tie them together i mean it's just uh you know it's just a it's a it's a physical thing if you can bend them over and tie them together then uh it shouldn't be a problem you know so it's just however you want to do it it's, it's not there's no time to do it or not whenever you bend them over and tie them together they're going to grow like an arch it's, well, I won't know. do it tomorrow because it's, you know, sorry, tomorrow is my birthday, and it's going to be 20 degrees overnight, and I think yeah. this is the worst time. <laughs> well, just whenever you see, if you, go, if you just tie them together like a like a, an arch, you can do that anytime you want to. Great. Thank you, and uh, we're looking forward to you coming back, but we're glad you're having <laughs> fun there. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mikey. And uh, by the way, Java, when she's talking about uh, hedges, what they do here, uh, you know, there's a lot of rock walls because everybody has, they have, there ain't no open yards around here. Everybody has their own little place with a with a hedge or a rock wall or a fence or something. And what they do is they plant certain kinds of plants, uh, maybe two or so feet apart. And when they get about head high, they cut them, not completely off, but they cut them down near the ground and bend them over sideways so the 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 limbs are all running together and then the part that was cut down at the bottom it sprouts back out and knits everything together so they actually grow real thick dense impenetrable hedges uh, by cutting tall plants over and then growing together like that so anyway uh, who else we got on the line uh, well, we're actually going to take this last break um, for the hour. We try to line up some more calls for the uh, final segment. But I did have a question because I heard you say it a number of times. And um, we've had some, you know, some really cold weather uh, this past week, past two weeks. What do you mean when you say hard freeze? I know 32 degrees, you know, freezes is, is freezing temperature. But I've heard you say hard freeze like it may be something different. You know what? This is really weird. In all of my years, Java, nobody has ever asked that, and I don't have an answer. <laughs> okay, you know, I... you know, you know, when we get a frost, it's not quite freezing. A light freeze, you know, just sort of makes everything stop growing. A hard freeze is hard enough to kill stuff. And to me, I'm thinking if it's below 25, that's what we call a hard freeze. That's enough to kill tender stuff. Upper 20s. A lot of plants can make it that, that would normally freeze. So a hard freeze is what I call a show enough mid-20s or below freeze. Okay, so it's just, I guess, the um, the lower, the, the temperature just keeps going down, like you said, where those kind of tender plants, it just really just kind of just wipes them out. That's a hard freeze. Yeah, there's a lot of plants, like lettuce, for example. Lettuce will take frost. Lettuce will take a light freeze, you know, 30, 29, something like that. Gets down to 20 degrees, lettuce is killed. So I would say a killing freeze. Okay. <laughs> but that's a, that's a, that's, that is a good question. 
I'm going to follow this up with some research. Thank you so much. Oh, I didn't mean to send you on a on a quest. Oh, no, 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 no. This is what this is what keeps it going, man. This is also I get questions all the time about stuff I've never ever heard before or even thought about, and that's the beauty of gardening because it gives you plenty of stuff to think about. It's always a chance to learn something. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We've got plenty of time. If you want to give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. And we're going to uh, talk about gardening right to the end of the hour. And by the way, if you think enough aerobics, tune in for the rebroadcast at 10 o'clock tomorrow, and we'll go through that ventures mashed up again. We'll be right back with more after this. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Hi, this is Bill Ellison, host of Grassroots on MPB. Few artists have had greater influence on American folk and acoustic music than guitarist Doc Watson. Doc was part of the 1960s folk revival. He was also a star of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band's early 70s classic Will the Circle Be Unbroken album. And he's in the Bluegrass Music Hall of Fame. Doc is also a frequent guest in the Bluegrass Cabin, so come see us on Grassroots Saturday night at 8 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to an encore presentation on MPB Think Radio. We're not able to take your call right now, but you can always reach us through email. The address is garden at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture still rushing. And, uh, Java, we got a call yet? Yeah, we do have a call, but I have to um, uh, ask you one more question. Coming up in the next hour on Next Stop Mississippi, they're going to do a best of uh, Mississippi uh, City Series, and they're going to continue that and talk about the city of Grenada. And I guess I just wanted to put you on the spot real quick. When I say Grenada, uh, yes. Felder, what do, you, what, what do you think about when it you know when it comes to uh, gardening and, and landscape and stuff like that? Oh, uh, in Grenada? Yeah, just I don't know, just off the top of your head. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that. Yeah, top top of my head is if you don't if you don't have water, if you don't have fire, you don't have warmth and all like that, you're still gonna want to get out and get some stickers in your feet. Planting something, anything at all, even a simple bulb in a pot, connects you with all the outdoor world. It it is something you can nurture, something you can watch, you can observe. And it's sort of like a, a microcosm of Eden in your own hand. But most important, it connects you uh, to, to all the stuff that's going on around you without having to be fed in the, in, uh, every day and the litter box changed every day. So it's like a uh, outdoor, indoor. A garden is like a, is like a pet that connects you to real life. And, and plus all the memories. Every time I see plants and they're blooming in my yard, uh, a lot of times they came from people or, or fam- people I know or family or places so it brings lots of memory and philosophy and, and uh, excitement and hope and challenges. It's just a real easy it, – to me, it's the outdoor version of home cooking. <laughs> I like that. Well, let's go to um, uh, Melvin in Risland who uh, wants to join before we end the show. Hey, hey, Melvin. Thanks for calling, man. Gardening is like home cooking 
Anyway, yeah. whatever. What, what you got going now, on? I, I just thought uh, y'all were talking about hard freeze. So, uh, John wants to know what a hard freeze is. In Mississippi, it's considered when it gets below 28 degrees for, uh, you know, anywhere from four to six hours. And for something uh, odd that happened to me this year, you know, they said they, there's an old song about you don't ever see roses in the snow. Yeah. I had a rose bush that bloomed in, on New Year's Day. A friend of mine died on New Year's Day, and this rose bush bloomed. And the rose finally turned uh, brown yesterday. It's been, it's been wow. red as a red rose could be, and the rose bush is taller than my head. That's the only bloom that was on it. So I guess you can have roses in the snow. Yeah, you can. You can, you know, especially in Mississippi because the snow was followed by 72 degrees the next day. Well, you know, that's good. Yep. Well, I appreciate okay. that, man. Thanks. I enjoy. I'm, I forgot when you, when you said about the dreary morning that you were across the pond, though, fellow. So it probably is a little dreary over there. So. Yeah, well, it's just dark, you know, it's dark enough, but that's okay, it's okay. They, you know, in England, one thing that they do, and I've tried to practice in Mississippi, they try to garden every month of the year, and you go to to the Royal Horticulture Society gardens, all the fancy botanic gardens, and they all have an area, a good-sized area, that's dedicated to being at its peak in the middle of the winter. And, you know, you can walk around old parts of any kind of town and find something in bloom or something berries or something good texture. What they've done is they've taken all the things that look at their best in January and they put them together into one spot. So you can have a beautiful garden with flowers and, and everything in the middle of winter if you just walk around and look at what's doing well and then bring them into your yard. So it's possible. Well, that's, that is nice to know because it's nice to know that people actually care enough because if you don't do that, winter can be pretty doggone dreary. Well, you know, and in Mississippi, we have so much in bloom. Even with even when it gets down to the 20s, we still have flowers that you can plant in the garden in the worst time of the year. You can't do that in Minnesota. they got undulating mounds in the snow. We can have beautiful gardens in Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas by just looking around at what's out there, pulling them together in one little spot, and then throwing a bird feeder to bring colored motion out there, and you got it going. Anyway, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Felder. Thank you. And let's see if we can talk to Martha now in Boonville. Yeah, Martha, how are you? Oh, Felder, I'm sorry. We had Martha, but she uh, but she dropped off, unfortunately. Uh-oh. So that's pretty well it for today, huh? Yeah, that's all our, all our callers for today. It was a, a pretty rock and roll show, though. <laughs> it was. It was. And uh, by the way, I got an email the other day from uh, from 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 a lady who uh, named named uh, Kathy Kathy Dyes. She said she got some box amaryllis bulbs. This is great big holiday flowers, big bulbs, big, bigger than your hand. Got them on sale. I wondered if she should plant them in fresh potting soil in pots or put them outside. I'm thinking, you know, it just just depends. I put them outside. And then keep some in a pot because you never know what the weather's going to be. I have amaryllis in my garden that are already putting up new growth that that always make it through the winter. I just don't know about taking something from the warmth of indoors and putting it immediately out in the cold. So uh, I suggest that you plant some, cover with mulch, and then put some in a pot and see how that does. But you can grow lettuces in pots right now, folks. You can start lettuce seeds and bring it in. It's going to be a hard freeze. You can prune your roses. Winter gardening is easiest if you just plan ahead and choose 
things that really show out this time of year without being pampered or covered. And there's a lot of it out there. Walk around the neighborhood, drive around little part of town, see what's looking good in people's yards. Throw in a bird bath and some colorful birds, and you got a knocked-out garden without having to worry about all the sprays and the heat and watering and all that stuff. We're going to take a break. We call it a week. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Me and Java and all the other folks at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, stay cool, stay dry, and we'll see y'all next week. Meanwhile, go out and get dirty. 